Hello everyone and welcome to Career Competitor. We are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I'm Steve Meller and as always we're brought to you by my friends over at CG Sports who have been kind enough to allow us to speak with Samantha Bosco on this episode today and Sam is a two-time Paralympic bronze medalist in cycling and as a paracyclist Sam has obviously achieved a lot but in terms of what she's dealt with in order to reach those levels my goodness has she dealt with some adversity and as is the case with this show from time to time we have an opportunity for someone to come on and really share what it has taken physically and emotionally and spiritually for them to get to the point where they've been able to be successful and in Sam's case quite frankly it's required a lot and even most recently she had the opportunity of going to the Tokyo Games taken away from her after a very severe road accident whilst on the bike very soon after finding out she had in fact been selected for the Games. This is Sam's first interview since that accident And as is the case with everyone that comes on this show, people don't have to be candid and vulnerable and honest with us. They don't, but in some cases they choose to be. And Sam certainly chose to do exactly that. And I cannot be more thankful and appreciative for her doing so. At the end of the day, as I said at the the outset here, this is a story of adversity. This is the story of someone who has been willing to overcome and conquer things that had her dreams not been of the absolute highest order, she may have allowed herself to succumb to some of these adversities when others probably would have. Sam is a fighter. Sam is someone who, quite frankly, doesn't know when to stop. And the best part about this is her story is not finished yet. There's still so much more to come. I'm excited to share this story with you. So instead of me rambling on anymore, why don't we welcome in our wonderful guest, two-time Paralympic bronze medalist Samantha Bosco to the Career Competitor Podcast, and I hope you all enjoy. Hey guys, before we jump into this interview, please make sure if you're on Instagram, go to career underscore competitor, give us a follow. There you're going to find information about all my guests and episodes that we have coming up. In addition, I have links in my bio to each and every episode too. That link will take you to Apple Podcasts. If you are someone that likes to listen through Apple Podcasts, while you're there, take the time to leave a review of some sort. You can just click the fifth star, make things easy on yourself, or you can even write something as well. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. In addition to that, make sure you're subscribed or following the show on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. And finally, I would love to connect with you personally. So if you're on LinkedIn, make sure you're connecting with me, Steve Meller. I would love to hear from you. I would also love to hear if you think you or somebody else could be a great guest to come on the show. So many reasons to be following us, so many reasons to be listening to Career Competitor Podcast. But for now, let's get right to the interview. Okay, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome in Samantha Bosco to the Career Competitor Podcast. Firstly, on what is a a very nice Tuesday evening where I am, uh, where you are, Sam. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a nice Tuesday evening over here too, just a few hours behind you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so tell everybody where you are. I am in Southern California, about 45, 50 miles east of LA. 
Okay, okay, I'm fairly familiar with that. That's uh, sounds like a, a beautiful place to live, and uh, most importantly, uh, you know, the one activity that you do as much as anything is is hopping on a bike and going for a ride. And I'm sure that must be a beautiful, a beautiful part of the world to do such a thing. Yeah, it's very fun. We can go in the mountains one day and then ride to the beach the next day and mm. change it up every other day. Really, Absolutely. so you get the best of all the worlds, I guess. <laughs> Love it. And and so, you know, a, a lot of the stuff I go over in my introductions, I, I, I like to just bring people to, uh, you know, bring, bring, bring you to their attention, give you an idea, give people an idea of who it is you are. But one thing I love about the show, Samantha, is that at the end of the day, I can never do your story justice. I can never do your story justice with an introduction. Um, so what I want is I'd love for you just to kind of rewind the years here a little bit and, and, and give everyone, firstly, tell everyone what it is you are best known for what it is you do and, and secondly kind of give us the, the backstory of your career to this point oh man how quick can i talk <laughs> <laughs> um i am a paracyclist and i race able body cycling as well um paracycling is basically a fancy way of saying that i'm a cyclist with a disability mm-hmm. and i have been a racing paracycling uh, since 2013 and with the national team since 2013 for Team USA. Um, I went to Rio in 2016 for the Paralympic Games and got two bronze medals. I am also a world champion on the track for the 3K Individual Pursuits um, in 2017. And I've gone to the Para Pan Am Games in 2015 and 2019 and multiple world cups and world championships throughout my career so you've been pretty busy the last uh, eight years or so by the sounds of it and and for for those that may be I'm, I'm i'm gonna have to go back and jog my memory here a little bit but from a cycling standpoint you are the first if not one of um the first that we've had on the show and i've actually i come from the uk so for me Cycling became growing up like one of the sports to to follow um, in my homeland, and over here it doesn't quite seem to have the same sort of draw uh, from an audience standpoint. So, why don't you just kind of and what I love about this is is giving you the athlete the opportunity to almost you know humble people to appreciate exactly what you go through training wise. Just sort of walk me through a typical week for you. Oh man. Um... A typical week could be anywhere from 12 hours to 20 hours on the bike, uh, additional time spent off the bike doing strength and conditioning, core work, uh, yoga sometimes, even though I'm not as motivated to do yoga and stretching as I should be. (laughs) I go to see a PT, a physical therapist, um, pretty regularly Mm. and a little bit of rehabilitation so that I don't get hopefully don't get injured throughout the season um, and develop strength and exercises and tools for when those injuries do occur. So I spend, gosh, anywhere from 15 to 35 hours a week, if not more Mm. training for my sport. Yeah, and I we've had a we've had a decent amount of professional athletes on the show now, and um, you know, for me personally, what I love about having current athletes come on is is you really have this opportunity to to 
bring awareness to what really was the foundations of the show, which is the athlete mindset and how I'm a personal believer that we all have the ability to share an athlete mindset in the work that we do, whatever the career we may go down. And right away, when you start to describe a week like that, we start to get a feel, okay, this is someone whose time management must be phenomenal. This is someone that must be extremely driven, disciplined in what it is they do. And for you to have the consistent success on top of that over the last eight years, all of this, you can sort of multiply three, four, five times over in terms of just all of those sort of good details. For you personally, having had a, a high as such as a two-time bronze medalist back in 2016 at, at the Paralympics, well, firstly, I don't want to assume because sometimes, you know, maybe maybe that wasn't the goal. Maybe you wanted more than that. So why don't we start there? Let's talk a little bit about the competitor here in terms of that biggest championship meet that you've ever been to back in 2016. What did that mean to you in that moment? What was the competitive drive for that meet? Let's just kind of fill, fill everybody in on Sam the competitor within that 2016 games. You know, it's interesting when you talk about dedication and hard work and work ethic and all of that because it makes me picture my brother because I feel like my brother was the more dedicated ah, athlete okay. growing up than me. Um I raced mountain bikes when I was younger. We grew up in Alaska. And so for us, mountain biking and skiing, even though I didn't do it, were the two predominant sports in Alaska. And it was such a tight knit community that people just thrived on it. And I wanted to be a professional mountain bike racer and travel the world when I was nine years old. Had surgery that didn't go quite as planned and spent some time on crutches. And that's how I ended up being a para athlete because I have permanent damage to my right leg as a result of those surgeries. And so for me, finding the bike again was kind of full circle. Um, my dad kind of pushed me on back onto a bike after I had to retire from rowing because I actually took up rowing in between. Mm. And I am just a super competitive person. I always have been. I always want to be the best even if it's better than myself the day before um and I didn't even realize that paracycling was a thing didn't really know much about parasport because like cycling it is seems to be bigger overseas than in the U.S. Sure. Um, it's not a lot of events where people can find out about it. There's not a lot of resources that are just out there readily available as much as we see going to other countries. It is thankfully getting better and more exposure throughout the games years and stuff like that has helped. But when I found out about paracycling, I found out about the Paralympic games and it kind of just became a dream because it was a dream I had when I was nine to be a professional athlete. And I didn't realize that I was getting to be that. And I was getting to travel the world and race my bike in different countries already. Mm. And I didn't realize that until I made the roster for the Paralympic games in 2016 yeah. and was training with my husband and we were on a ride and we were talking about how exciting it was and realized in that moment, like, here's my, fulfilling that very first dream I remember having of wanting to be something when I got older. And so going to the games was just icing on the cake, if you will. I was already excited to be there and to have that experience. And 
I almost didn't even realize that it was that big of a deal until I got in the Stargate for the first race on the velodrome for the track, the track race where I got my first bronze medal. Mm. You have to do a qualification in the morning. And I got in the Stargate and I got on my bike and kind of was just like a little lackadaisical before the countdown clock clock hit 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And then I realized, oh man, I really have to like focus and yeah, race my bike and make it to the, <laughs> make it to the gold and bronze medal round. Like right. I'll see what I can do because it kind of was expected. I expected a medal in the mm. time trial just from my experience racing leading up to it and racing against the competitors that would be in Rio with me. Um, but I didn't expect one for the 3k. And so it kind of was just a, I might have a shot. Let's see what I have. Mm. And I qualified third and got into the bronze medal round and raced later that afternoon and won by four thousandths of a second. Just wow. had every emotion that you can possibly imagine so much so that I, I got to give my husband a high five. And then the next thing I kind of remember is like happy crying yeah. and then my coach trying to get my attention so that I could actually like take in all of the fans and the moment and really feel the moment. And I will never forget that first day. I'll never forget that medals in that. Like it wasn't just like I had achieved that dream. I solidified the dream because mm. I got a tangible object to bring home that signified all of the hard work, not only I put in, but all of the hard work that others around me put in to help me and all of the support that I've had throughout the journey. Yeah, solidified the dream. I love that. That's fantastic. I mean, the, the few things that I'm just writing as, as you're talking here, something you mentioned there almost nonchalantly was that super competitive person that you are. And sometimes it's as simple as just bettering yourself from the day before. And so much of what we talk about on this show, whether it's someone from the world of sport or who works a nine to five job for the most part or somewhere in between, whatever it may be, we talk regularly about the competitor within and, and we find ourselves competing with ourselves as much as anybody else out there. And when you're in a sport like cycling, one thing I'm aware of that some people may not be is in the velodrome, rarely could you should you at least be paying attention to the person you're competing against? Does that sound about right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right. So for, for me, for, for me, is a cyclist, one of the greatest disciplines you must have to develop is the ability to compete from within and, and not be too focused on what's going on around you, knowing that there really is nothing you can do to control what's going on around you. And I think this is a really valuable lesson that I'm really glad has just kind of naturally come up because I think so many people that listen to this show when we have athletes come on, they start to think, how can I connect to someone who's an athlete when I myself aren't one? And that's it right there. You know, for, for someone who's got dreams, who's got these incentives within their careers, how are you doing it from within? Like, are you, are you managing to avoid the very easy pitfall of comparing what others are doing around you and trying to compare yourself to what they're doing? And so much of what I'm hearing about your story, Sam, sounds as though... The competitor within is your greatest rival. It's the person that keeps you most honest, most hungry, most, you know, just driven to be successful. But at the same time, solidifying that dream. Uh, before I get onto that, just talk to me a little bit about what I was saying there, you know, because there's so much good content here. And so just in terms of that competitor within, like, just 
build off that for me a little bit. Am I am I maybe striking a few chords here? Oh man, my head's going all over the place. So, <laughs> um, but that's a, partially a different part of the story, also. But okay. <laughs> I um, I definitely have fallen victim to the comparison of myself to other people. I think it's mm. not something that can be avoided by anyone, um, and it's so easy to kind of be susceptible to it because our brain just doesn't stop working and having all of these thoughts. And the second that you have a negative thought, it takes a lot to not spiral into more negative thought and to like change the course of the narrative in your own head. So for me, it's been a lot of work and a lot of time working with a sports psychologist, talking with my friends, developing the right support staff, from my parents to my sponsors, to sponsors that have become friends, um, just to have that like, okay, I'm kind of struggling here. How can I get help? Because it doesn't always happen by myself. I can't overcome things by myself. And I realize that, and it's taken a lot of work and a lot of time to really kind of go through all of those emotions and to recognize when I do fall towards the comparison to the outside world and a lot of work in, in developing the tools to make sure that I can bring myself back or that I have people that can help bring me back when I'm struggling to get back into competing against myself. And I think it's interesting because my favorite discipline on the bike is the time trial, which is mm. a race against the clock by yourself. Yep. You and essentially you could compare yourself to all of your competitors because you're literally racing for time, the same course, relatively the same circumstances. Some might have more of a tailwind, some might have other stuff going on and different components on their bike, but you're racing against the clock for time and the fastest mm. time wins. Like I don't know a better way to compare yourself to your competitors than exactly. that and i find it's the easiest for me to just compare myself to myself because i know how fast i can go i know the speed that i can average for certain routes i know the power i can put out and i can push myself to be better in my next race than i was in the race before and so for me it's always been kind of a starting small like what can I do today that makes me better than I was last week? What's one thing, even if it's saying no to something, or even if it's taking a recovery day that I need, even though I feel mm. guilty that I took it. Right, right. <laughs> so it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot. I think it's harder, honestly, for me to kind of stay in that focus of just being the best me. And it's gotten better over the years, but I think it's harder for me to stay in that focus than it is to actually get on a bike and start a race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate the honesty just with the, the willingness to seek help. I think it's something, again, I, I speak openly about myself, my journey on the show a lot with, when relation to that. And I've been fortunate to have a number of guests that come on and do the same. And I think, um, a huge part about building a, a personal version, a, a self part of building a self strong enough to deal with some of this, 
workload, some of this uh, pressure, if you will, that we put on ourselves is, is about seeking some help, getting some guidance, um, you know, allowing somebody else to strengthen you from, from the outside in. Um, so I love hearing that, but I, I really want to go back to this solidifying the dream because for me, it's probably, it's a thought that just kind of came up while you were talking is that I think a lot of the time, this word dream is something that can almost seem as though it's it's out of our control. It's this distance thought. It's something that we just hope. And But the most important thing about a dream is it has to have some sort of reality. There has to be a world within which we can actually realize it. And just from hearing your story, it sounds as though there was a time where that wasn't necessarily the case. And, and, and you, you probably felt like that opportunity had started to move away and suddenly dad's you know and hey dad aren't dad's great you know dad's come along and say hey stop the rowing you know or you you had to stop the rowing but hey we have this in the cycling the cycling that we there's still this available we can still realize that dream in some way shape or form and for you talking about solidifying the dream in my mind i hear that and i think that means in some way in, in your mind you always felt there was a reality to that dream so talk to us a little bit about that Oh man! <laughs> and I, for those uh, that can't see you right now, I love this because I can kind of see that I, the your brain is is going overload right now, and I love it. That's that I love doing this to people. <laughs> it is going overload. That's a good question, and you're very good at what you do. Um, it's it's very it's very nose on the. I don't even remember the saying, but it's very like you're hitting the head on the nail. Because I had a dream this year that hmm. circumstances prevented from happening. That was sure. super significant and a really hard time still is kind of a hard time in my sure. life and in my journey. And it's hard to really see a dream still there when you are going through adversity. Hmm. And so I don't even know that I ever really realized that I didn't have, like, I didn't, I don't think I ever realized that there was a gap in a dream because the dream always changed. And I think it changed so subtly that I never even realized it. Just like I didn't even really truly realize that I had achieved that dream of being a professional cyclist. Yeah. Because when I had surgery and I couldn't keep riding, I, it kind of became the goal was to walk and to be able to walk and to get off crutches. I spent three years on crutches. So mm -hmm. there was a thought that there was potential that it would be really difficult to get to a point where I could even still be an athlete. And I really wanted to be an athlete. And so part of my physical therapy, because my ankle doesn't move as much was rowing. And my mom was the one who kind of found it and she saw how much I still loved it. So she nurtured it and she found a learn to row a program where I could row on the water and then found a high school that I could row with throughout my high school. And eventually I got a scholarship to the university of central Florida as a result. And that's kind of where I got a lot of knee pain and had to retire from rowing. But when I found rowing, thanks to my mom and found the learn to row program, the dream kind of became to go to college for rowing, to have that um, to have that happen, if you will. And then when I got to college, it kind of was like, okay, let's make the varsity boat and let's make it to NCAAs and then let's make it past 
college and start rowing masters and just kind of have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And then when that didn't happen, I, I kind of spiraled um, because I didn't have a dream necessarily. And I kind of had to figure myself out and figure out what was next because mm-hmm. my family is a very sport oriented family. My brother was playing baseball. His biggest dream was to be a professional baseball player. And he had that dream when he was five. So sport was always huge for us. My dad was really good at it. My mom was good at it. And it just kind of became a tool to push ourselves to see how far we could advance and see how much stronger we could be. And that kind of carried over into all aspects of life on a subconscious level, because I get the question where people ask how did you achieve this? What got you to achieving that? How do you motivate yourself in a time trial? Because time trials kind of stink. (laughs) You have to go (laughs) really hard. And I picked, oddly enough, I had the two most brutal sports, in my opinion, for anaerobic ability and and endurance and all of that. And I hear that. Yeah. I don't know how I can achieve that. And I don't Mm. ever really feel like I have to physically push myself to reach the limit. I feel like when I'm cycling, when I get at the start line and start my race, I've already pushed past all the barriers I need to push past. There's no having to talk myself into pushing harder or riding faster because I already want to, because I want to be the best. And it's that simple in my mind. Like I can't, I've literally sat with myself and tried to figure out the answers to that for my own self or when I need it, because I feel like we all need it. And I feel like talking and sharing and having these conversations with people helps because you might know everything that is being said, or you might have the same idea, but there's that one Hmm. little piece that you hear that you're just like, wow, okay, that makes total sense. I can use that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying, to be honest, because it, it, you know, in the world of, you know, it's been the better part of 15 years since I was a competitive swimmer. And I, I remember doing some rowing. I remember doing a lot of cycling actually at one point. And, uh, you know, it, like you said, it, th- those, those sports resonate with me in terms of the physical demand, the mental toll. One thing you mentioned there about, you know, being in a position where the race is about to start, knowing the amount of mental mental blocks that you're going to have to just smash through while you're going through the race and almost going through those in your mind before anybody tells you to even start. I really think that's something that if you're listening to this, you need to pick up on because identifying potential adversity, identifying potential barriers down the road and almost coming becoming comfortable with it, like saying like, hey, these are going to come my way what what are they going to look like how am i going to handle that if and if you don't like the sounds of them in terms of what could happen in terms of what may be coming oh i hate to tell you but you might be doing the wrong thing and you and you know and that's that's something that i love about stories like yours sam is that i hope that this this is actually going to hit one or two people in a way that they weren't even expecting like wow i'm not sure i actually want this thing that i am so insistent on chasing and I'm, that's I can speak from personal experience. I've seen a lot of people drop out of sport for that exact reason. So I, I love all of this. It's just incredible stuff. And you you mentioned the the really difficult situation there that you dealt with this year. And I, I was 
aware of it. And firstly, I'm just delighted that you're healthy and we're talking right now because I know it was a it was a really bad accident. Um, so in in relation to that, Sam, you know, you you are working your way away, you know, past that now. The games have come and gone, and I feel everything that you've probably felt in terms of being able to relate with with that feeling at times, having seen athletes go through it themselves. With everything, considering everything you've referenced here about your journey to this point, what was it about your journey prior to this accident this year that has set you up, and I'm going to say this with confidence, that has set you up to know that you're, in fact, not only going to overcome this, but give yourself the opportunity to maybe even come back from it? I, I don't know. I, the first thought that comes to my mind are the people around me because my parents helped me get through the adversity of having surgery and spending three years on crutches in really difficult, uh, formative years. Cause yeah. I was, a, and my mom and dad helped me get through not getting to row anymore. And more people have also helped, but like Andrew, my husband, my family, my, my really close friends and a couple of sponsors who really kind of became friends um, have really helped me see the positive Mm. in the injury during this time. And so I think that Oddly enough, it's seeing how they see me that that has helped Mm -hmm. and seeing how much they believe in me and how much they support me and how strong I am in their eyes because of their strength and because Mm -hmm. of love. Mm -hmm. I know I can get through anything. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Please listen to what has just been said because the way you create that community and the way you create that support system is by investing as much time in yourself to give yourself to display yourself to the world to give off this energy this vibe to the world in a way where people see value in you this worth this desire to actually invest in you to support you and it's this beautifully reciprocal thing that we can exist within and to hear that that's what you've been surrounded with and inundated with. And I'm sure it's a small circle. You know, I'm sure you've had lots of people from around the community reach out and say, Hey, you know, feel better, et cetera, people like myself. But in terms of the people that you know, whose opinion, just like, if they think this of me, then that's what matters. Like you need that circle. You need your, 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 your people around you to sort of tell you what you need to hear at the right time. And man, I just love all of that and, and how people see you. I think that's something that we can all aspire to, to, to have within our lives. Um, Sam, before I let you go, firstly, awesome stuff. Just like um, you, you've, as much as I seem to have blown your mind, you've done the same. Trust me. Um, in, in relation to just you, the competitor now moving forwards, where you are with your life, what does the future hold? What are you aspiring to, to, to go on and potentially do in the days, the months, the years to come at the moment? Oh, I... <laughs> I have a dream of making it to Paris 2024. Yes. I I realize how much this injury affected me because I got named to the Paralympic roster 
June 20th, June 23rd, I had a bike crash that involves a little bit of a hospital stay, which we have dubbed a extended hotel stay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it landed me in the hospital for about a week and a lot of trauma, a lot of sadness, a lot of tears. And at the same time, a lot of support. There was a lot of people that reached out, a lot of people that showed concern, a lot of people that contacted my husband and my mom and my dad and doctors who looked out for me, friends who are doctors who came to my house to make sure I was okay. Mm. And a lot of love. I even had one of my sponsors created this fundraiser to help pay for expenses so that I can continue to recover and possibly train to make it to the games before I was, before it was ultimately determined that I was not cleared to go or ready to go. And the biggest part throughout all of that and all of the support, because I had all kinds of emotions, I felt like I should, I didn't do my part, I guess. Um, but the biggest part was I missed racing my bike and I wanted to ride my bike and I wanted to do it for me. And I wanted to have fun and to live my life boldly. And for me, that is cycling and that is showing myself more than anything that I can do it. And I default that others can do whatever they put their mind to also despite adversity. And so for me, my goal is to make it to Paris to overcome this road that I'm on Mm -hmm. and to use it to propel me forward and bring the people that have helped lift me up with me. Mm. Amazing. Uh, You know, you've got a fan in me. Let's let's put it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. You know, I'm excited for the next three years for your journey to follow that journey. And just one thing I just found to be really beautiful throughout this whole conversation was that it seems that when you were at your, when you're in your darkest moments in life, you were always able to find the bike. And, and that for me is, is someone who's always had sport in his life. It's the one, it's one of the areas that people that don't really invest themselves in sport could probably never understand. And, and, some days for me, it's not finding the bike. It's it's just finding whatever workout it was I needed to do. And, 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 you know, just little things like that. And again, just hearing your story, Sam, the fact that the bike seems to have been there during the times when you needed it most is uh, is a pretty beautiful thing. And I just appreciate the story. I appreciate all of your candidness, all of your just um, incredible insight within this conversation. Good luck with everything in your road to recovery with the next three years. And uh, again, we're, we're, we're going to be fans of yours moving forward for sure. So thanks again, Sam. I appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it too. It was fun. And my thanks again to Sam for joining us on the show. And of course, like I said at the outset, thank you, Sam, so much for your willingness to open up and share your story with us, especially with it still being in so many ways, uh, still quite a fresh story for you to tell. Listen, I really hope you picked up something from this particular interview. I really do because, quite frankly, it would be such a shame if you didn't because Sam was willing to share things with us that any one of us, no matter what it is we do, we should be able to connect with her and relate to her on some 
on some level. We, we must be able to. It doesn't matter whether you're a cyclist or an athlete. It's completely irrelevant. If you're listening to this, in, to this interview carefully, you should have noticed a couple things that I, I at least noticed. And the, the way I would sum it up is through assessing and through adapting. Those two words really, for me, sum up so much of what we covered in this particular episode. When we talk about assessment, Sam assesses herself versus herself. That seems to be the greatest assessment that she has within her life. That comes in relation from a day-to-day basis in her training. That comes probably from a more periodical phase in, in relation to one competition to the next competition. She seems to be willing to assess what she's doing well versus what she isn't doing well. At the same time, she's having to assess herself once she comes through these adversities. What did I learn from these things? How much does this still mean to me for me to get back on the horse, to get back on the bike, obviously, in her case, and go again? Understand that that need to self-assess, that need to look around and say, hey, do I understand what I have to do here? Do I understand what I've done in the past? Am I aware of what it's going to take to get back to where I want to be? That continual desire to assess is so important. And then in in relation to adaptation, this is more specific towards dreams. Sam referenced her dreams on a couple of different occasions here through our discussion. She solidified that dream when she went and put herself on a podium at the games. But at the same time, as she stated, she had dreams this year that had been taken away. But dreams can evolve. She can now change those dreams on the short term in order to set herself up to realize the very same dream that she did have for this year, but now move it towards 2024. Understand, guys, that we can have the biggest dreams, but life is going to come along and say, I see your dream, but I'm going to make you work a little bit harder for it. I see your dream, but I'm actually going to pull you back. I'm going to make that dream feel like it's even further away than it's ever been before. That's what life is going to do to us. But those dreams have to then evolve and we have to adapt. But it doesn't mean that that dream has to go away. We can still have it on the horizon. We can still have it in the back of our minds. We just have to be comfortable with allowing it to evolve. And certainly, we have to be comfortable with making ourselves adapt to the situations that we're handed in life. Again, Sam, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being so willing to open up with us and let us in a little bit on your story on your perspective, on your approach to life, and just getting yourself back to a point where we all know that you're going to be as competitive as ever in the future and put yourself in contention to be incredibly successful come those games in 2024 in Paris. And for you, the listener, I'm really hoping, like I said, that you understood and you heard so many things here that Sam was willing to share with us because we can all relate and we can all embody some of these characteristics that Sam has put out here for us today. So I wish you all the best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on. Whatever you thought of the episode, I'd love for you to reach out to me, career underscore competitor on Instagram. You can direct message me through there. We can connect on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Steve Meller. But otherwise, keep up the great work, guys. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.